Welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast, where we tackle teaching challenges from a biblical perspective. Why are we here? Because we don't believe that our spiritual walk and teaching profession should exist in two separate domains. Rather, the hope we have in Christ should change how we approach everything, not just at home, but at school as well. So join us as we explore both the spiritual and practical sides of key teaching challenges, integrating them together so we can succeed at teaching, glorify God, and make a lasting difference in our students' hearts and lives. You guys are in for a special treat today as we'll be sharing an interview with Ellie Holcomb, singer-songwriter and author of Fighting Words. If you aren't familiar with Ellie's music, you are definitely going to want to go check it out. And you guys are going to love this conversation with Ellie. It was originally part of the Rise Up Summit. Um, So if you caught it at the Rise Up Summit back in October, I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss it again. But if you weren't there, then you are going to be so glad to hear this conversation here. Ellie is joining us to talk about how we can and must use the truths of scripture to fight back the lies that Satan is constantly throwing at us. So this conversation is going to be so helpful. I can't wait to share it with you. Let's listen to it right now. Hi, welcome back to the Rise Up Summit. I'm Linda Cardamus, and I'm here today with Ellie Holcomb. Ellie, thank you so much for being here with us today. I am so happy to be here. I love teachers. I used to be a teacher, and so it. I feel like I'm in the company of heroes. <laughs> I was so excited to find out that Ellie used to be a teacher, um, and I can't wait to dive into this session with her today. We're going to be talking about how to speak truth, the truth of scripture over our souls to fight back the devil's lies, especially when things are tough, whether it's in teaching or in life. Um, before we do that, in case you're not familiar with Ellie, um, Ellie Holcomb uh, for eight years recorded and toured full-time with her teacher, Jewel Holcomb, um, before stepping off the road when their first child was born. Um, her first solo debut um, with As Sure As The Dawn in 2014 landed her as a top 10 hit on Christian radio, um, The Broken Beautiful. And she also won a GMA Dove Award for New Artist of the Year. Um, since then, she's released Red Sea Road and Canyon, as well as children's books and companion EPs of original music and also... Uh, this wonderful devotion, which we'll talk about some today, fighting words. Um, so I've been personally really um, benefited from Ellie's music when my husband lost a close friend and we walked through that with their family last summer. And so I knew this concept of um, was going to be so helpful, Ellie, your, your concept that you talk about both in your music and in your book about fighting words and how we need to use the truth of scripture to fight back lies the lies that Satan throws at us. It's so vital for all believers, definitely for us as teachers. So we're really excited to talk about this. So thank you again. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's a joy to be here and to sing alongside anyone is, um, is a real joy. I'm usually writing songs that carry truths that my own kind of weary and forgetful heart tends to need to hold on to. And so if they're ever good for anybody else, I, I always call myself a selfish songwriter because I'm usually just like, this is what I need to hear. Lord, help me remember this. And so it's always so beautiful to hear stories of um, anything connecting with anyone else's story. It's it's an honor. So I'm honored to be here with you. I can tell you write you write for yourself because it's so real and raw, but hopeful and full of and full of you know grace and truth. And so it. it it connects so well. So if, yeah, if you guys haven't checked out Ellie's music, we'll link to it under. You'll definitely want to check it out. But we're going to talk today about fighting words. And so where did this concept of 
fighting words come from in your life? And what exactly does that mean? Yeah, I know. It's kind of a weird title. I'm like, I don't want to fight you. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, the, I, about, I don't know, 13 years ago, um, I was sitting with a friend of mine who battles depression. And I think, goodness knows, we all know, I have an experience with that anxiety, depression, whether it's in our own story or a student that we've had in our classroom. I think all of us are affected by that in some way. The numbers are all, all the research says that that's sort of prevalent right now. And, um, I was sitting across from her listening. She'd just been in a long season of feeling like, you know, kind of in the Valley. And I, she was taught as she was sharing her heart with me. I just got so frustrated, not with her, but I was like, there are so many lies that she was believing about herself, about who she was, about who God was, about what he says about her. And then all of a sudden in the middle of the conversation, I'm like, Oh my goodness, I am believing a lot of these lies too. And I got, I don't know, like kind of angry. I was just like, you know what? I am so sick of the enemy who's called in scripture, the father of lies. There's another verse that says when he speaks lies are his native language, that punk, (laughs) that punks me. Uh, That's not in the Bible, but I'm just like, what a jerk. I mean, he is stealing. I'm so sick of the enemy stealing our joy and our peace. And that John 10, 10 life to the full that God, comes to offer us. And so I was like, I'm not going down without a fight. And you know what God calls his word? A sword. And we are going to use it. And she was like, yes, ma'am. And so <laughs> I, I remember sitting, she's young, a little younger than me. And I remember sitting across from her and I was like, you need to pull out your journal right now. And I did what sometimes, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I did what sometimes I do when I'm feeling like kind of desperate for truth. I started flipping through my Bible, looking through anything I'd ever underlined before. Do you know, like, just, yeah. <laughs> This is, okay. This resonated before. It's it's probably really good, and it's like it's all really good. But this this whatever. So I just we got a whole list of verses going, and I just said, you know what? I think it is not enough for us to just say, oh, that's a lie. Oh, that's a lie. Oh, that's a lie. That's not true. That's not true. We desperately needed something stronger to ground ourselves in. And something stronger to replace the lie with the truth. And so I just said, you know, I think we need to start memorizing scripture together and just kind of burying these truths in our hearts. I hadn't done that since I was a little kid in Sunday school. And so I, she was like, okay. And truth be told, we're really bad at it. Like it's hard work. Um, but here's what we found out as we started memorizing God's scripture, stumbling and tripling. So just know we're not like, I got this, but it started God's word as we started memorizing it and trying to kind of bury this truth and this light in our souls. God's word, we found out that it really is alive because it started changing us and it didn't necessarily change our circumstances. It's not like we started memorizing scripture and then my friend's depression went away. Like, no, no, it was still there. Um, struggles were still there. The lies were still there, but we had something strong to anchor down in when sort of those shame storms started coming in, when those arrows started flying, we had shelter to hide under and it started changing us from the inside out. And man, I, I think there's this kind of slow and steady realization that God's not lying 
when he says that his word is alive, sharper than a double-edged sword, and just like the rains that come from the heavens and don't return to the heavens without first nourishing the earth, causing it to bud and flourish, so is the word that goes out from his mouth. It will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. And that is a promise. I mean, I'm like, oh my goodness. And here I am half of the time, just starving, just starving, like getting by. Oh, that's a lie. Exhausted. I'm like, I'll settle for these crumbs on the table where God has set this feast, a banquet table out for us, full of his promises, full of the most beautiful story that I know of him entering into this broken world and, and dying and beating death. Love beats death in this story. It's like a fairy tale that came true in real life. And, um, one day everything, you know, this longing that one day everything will be made right and be healed and whole. What a beautiful story to lean into. And so why would I not enjoy that? Like come to the banquet table. And so the book we called the the scripture that we memorized, I was like, these are going to be our fighting words because we are not going down without a fight. And so it is so interesting because this was, you know, 13 years ago. I had no idea that one day I would be writing a devotional, a hundred days of speaking truth into the darkness. But, um, it has been, I always call it not a devotional. I never feel like that's the right word for it because it actually just feels, um, like it technically is a devotional, it's on pages and stuff, but it actually just feels like, or what my hope is, is that it's really an invitation and the content is your heart and God's word and his spirit that's alive and moving. Um, and man, it has just been such a delight to hear stories of how, as other people have just said, okay, I'm going to come to the table. I'm like, Hey, there's a feast. Let's go eat. Like, let's go eat and let's take some, let's take some stuff to go. Like, let's take a to go bag and like store it in our hearts. And so we, so we have this constant source of light and hope in life. And so that is the invitation of the book. And, um, on, on Instagram, I started, I started every Friday doing fighting words Fridays and I just post whatever verse it is that I'm memorizing. I don't have them all memorized, but the verse that I'm holding on to for that week and, just to, I just started posting it. And finally this, my manager was like, this is kind of a book. You do realize this. And I was like, Oh <laughs> yeah. So we edited it asked, you know, added questions. And it's been such a beautiful thing to invite a lot of other people, um, to the feast of God's word. Yes. That that's, that's so great to hear you talk about that. And just the need of how scripture speaks into our heart. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't always change our circumstances, yeah. but it allows us to face them and face them with joy and hope. And, um, that's, right. that's, that's amazing. I love in your devotional and your music, they're so raw. You're, you can tell you're talking about real problems, but they're so hopeful and you don't shy away from talking about tough things. I, I was looking, <laughs> reading through the, and it's like day one, you're talking about your dad's cancer diagnosis. You yeah. share of difficult things with friends and family. So let's, let's talk a little bit about trials, whether it's, if someone's facing something really difficult right now, I mean, maybe it's really huge life altering, or maybe it is yeah. just this day to day, you know, beat down struggles of teaching. What are some things yeah. you'd say to them? Um, what are some of the fighting words that we could apply in face of trials? Oh, I love that question so much. Um, it's a big one, but <laughs> it is, but it honestly, I mean, I, I think that's, that's why I write 
songs is because I, I think that somebody asked me the other day, where do your, where does inspiration come from for your songs? And I was like, suffering, (laughs) which sounds crazy and kind of depressing. But I think when we're walking through times, seasons of sorrow, whether that's, um, I don't know, regret that we have about choices we've made, whether it's something that was completely out of your control, like a cancer diagnosis, a loss of a friend, a loss of a child. I mean, this, this world that we live in is broken. And I think to be human, um, at least in my experience, to be human is to be broken. Um, but there is this beautiful thread throughout scripture of God being broken for us, first of all, so that we could know that like our brokenness never has the final word. It's not the end of the story. The end of the story isn't suffering. It's love and healing and wholeness. And so, um, if you're walking through a season of loss, through a season of exhaustion, through a season of maybe depression or anxiety, I would just say one, I'm so sorry because <laughs> it's so it is so hard. This life can break your heart. And, um, I think for me, uh, it has been in those places. And this is what I would just say to you is that even in this place of suffering and sorrow, when maybe it feels like sorrow is going to crush you, um, you are not alone. You are not alone. And I would point to scriptures, um, about we have a man of sorrows who's well acquainted with grief to scriptures like Jesus wept uh, the, to the first day. Actually, in this book, this has been a scripture that I've hung on to for so through so many trials uh, is Philippians four, four through seven, which feels really hard in light of some of the stuff that life can throw at us. But it's rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that transcends all of our understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I love that promise from God's word, but that command, that sort of instruction, rejoice always. In light of some of the things that we experience in our, in our schools, I'm just thinking of some of the tragedies that have happened in schools, even this past year, some of the tragedies that our students face. And then that we ourselves face, we all have sorrow and suffering and hard ache, soul splitting, painful things that command rejoice always feels so hard, but I love that just juxtaposition to that instruction to rejoice always is that promise the Lord is near. And I guess that's what I would whisper to you in a place of feeling really alone or abandoned or um, just so sad is just to say in your sadness, the Lord is near and he is with you. And um, I, another verse I think of is when, is from Exodus 14, 14, when those, the Israelites, you know, have been freed from years of slavery, years of pain, um, and captivity. And they're free. They're fleeing that captivity. They come to the Red Sea and there's an army behind them. It's an impossible situation. 
which I think is what it feels like to be human. <laughs> a lot of days, I think it's what it feels like to be a teacher. You're like, this is an impossible situation. There's an army behind me. There's an ocean in front of me. There are these standards. We are not up to par. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough resources. All of the things, right, that we feel as teachers. The the burden that is placed on teachers is so great. Um, and I just thank you guys for showing up every day to enter into that, like, impossible situation anyway. And to be people who call out goodness in students and to be people who show light and love in a really dark world. It matters. You matter in what you're doing every single day. Uh, matters. And you may not ever even hear all the stories that come because of it, but you're seeing kids, you're speaking life into kids. Um, and even if that can't be a Bible verse overtly, um, you are the hands and the feet, the embodiment of Jesus and you carry him within you. And that matters that you show up in kids' lives. So thank you. But as you're in those impossible situations, I love that the Israelites say to God in this moment, did you free us from slavery so you could bury us in the desert? And I'm like, I love how honest they were with God. Cause that is how it feels sometimes you're like going, it's like Romans eight twenty eight things like, okay, you work all things for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose, God. Okay. I know that, but this right now situation is not good. Like this is breaking my heart. And I love what God says to his people in that moment in Exodus 14, 14, he says, you need only to be still. The Lord, your God will fight for you. And if you know the story, you know that the next thing that he does is he opens up that Red Sea and the Israelites walk on the ocean floor. And I guess I'd just say that's what I've seen God do for me and for our people as we've grieved, as we've struggled, as we've ached. Um, we have encountered the man of sorrows himself. And he's whispered to us that we don't have to bury our hope because hope himself, Jesus, he was already buried forth and he walked up out of the grave. And so the grave isn't the last word, the life and the love is. And um, so I think for me, a lot of times the, the scripture that I've memorized, that's, those are the first lights that I find in my darkest nights of the soul. Um, I remember my husband being in a really, uh, really scary sickness. He had meningitis. We were rushing to the hospital and I was so panicked. I, I thought he was having a brain aneurysm. I just, I, I didn't know if he was going to make it. He was in so much pain. Couldn't stop throwing up. He had passed out on the floor. It was just awful. Probably should have called the ambulance. <laughs> it's 2020. I'm like, you know, I know I'm going to get to the hospital in my town, but I could not, I was panicking. And all of a sudden that verse I memorized, I'm like, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentle be gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And I just, I camped on the Lord is near. I'm like, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. And, and I, I can't even tell you like, um, in an unexplainable way, a peace came over me that had, didn't make any sense logically took over my body in that moment. I calmed down, I stopped taking wrong turns. To the hospital, which is also very good. Um, but I think that is sort of the backwards and upside down nature of the gospel is we always have a reason to sing. We always have a reason to rejoice. And, and, and when you can do that, God doesn't say rejoice always because he's cruel. 
you know, like it's, it's, he knows that it is good for our hearts to remember his goodness in the midst of the darkest nights of our soul and to remember that light. And so it's been a really, I have a lot of fear. I, I, I call myself a warrior in progress. And so a lot of those verses, you know, fear not for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. Or for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. I mean, me and my kids march around singing that verse when storms <laughs> come around our house. And it's beautiful to watch it shift their spirits too. Um, and so I, I have a hard time memorizing scripture. It's just tough. It's tricky. And I kind of sound like I know a lot, but right now, cause I think I'm quoting a lot of it of the ones of like my strongest highlights of verses that have been buried for a lot of years. Uh, but one of the ways that I memorize it is I sing and I'd started singing scripture because, um, well, a, cause it was just hard to memorize it. And so I was like, but I can remember like a thousand songs. So this is nothing new under the sun. This is David. This is the Psalms. Right. But I, it is so helpful to sing it. And so, um, I was trying to get my kids to memorize scripture with me. It was having such a massive impact on my heart. I was like, I want to do this with my children. And they were not getting it. You know, they were saying things like, for God has given us the spirit of fear. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Okay, we got to, hold on. Mommy's going to write you a song really fast. So so it is, you know, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind singing that over and over and over again. And so I started, when I released this book, I was like, y'all, it is struggles.com to memorize scripture. And I'm inviting you to do that in this book, but I'm going to help you out because I need to help me out too. And so on my Instagram account, you can go on there and there's a whole highlight reel. I call it memory Mondays. And so whatever verse I'm trying to memorize, I write a song for that week. And so if you're wanting to kind of bury some truth and some light in your heart, I just... I almost like want to say, like, I dare you to do it. Just wait and see what will happen when you start praying for your students. You know, at the end of the day, when you start, you, when you feel desperate and you're so exhausted, you don't know how to break through with certain kids and you're praying over them, maybe not in class, but when you, when you're on your way home from school or you're on your way into that morning, you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do this day. I am so tired. God, um, it is an, a remarkable and beautiful thing, um, to see how his word starts coming back up out of me, especially in those desperate times. Um, it just, it's like buried in there. And so it's, you don't have your Bible. You don't, you may not have time for like a whole quiet time or devotional with coffee included, um, or quiet, but you're able to access these, these promises of God, this rich, you know, banquet table feast of, of beauty that he gives us to hold on to even in the darkest nights. Scripture memory does make such a difference. It is like storing up an arsenal that the Holy Spirit can pull up and use. And it's, you know, the more, the more that's in there, the more it does just come to mind when you have a question or you're struggling. It's like God, that God just brings those scriptures to mind. It's really, it really is incredible. I yeah. second, I second the dare. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what if you tried it? Just, you know, try, do it with a friend. And it is, it is, it's such a, uh, when we, when my friend and I started doing it, um, I loved writing. Uh, so I've got a little like flip notebook and I wrote the verse down. And then on the other side of the page, I would write different times that that verse would come to mind mm. or, Oh, I was praying. I was really frustrated in the grocery store line because 
you know, whatever the person was taking forever. And then all of a sudden, dear brothers, practice hospitality comes to mind. And I'm like, okay, okay. Jesus, how can I be hospitable in this line? What? And then, and then I'm like, oh, what's going on in this cashier person's life? Who's, you know, they're obviously struggling, you know, whatever they might be tired. And then I'm like, it just shifts my whole perspective. And I'm so grateful that God loves us enough, you know, not to leave us as we are. And I think his word sharpens us. I mean, it, it is, and I say it's a dare because it's like, it is dividing to the soul and the spirit. Sometimes there are times when a verse will come to mind and I'm like, eh, I don't want that verse right now. Love never fails. Love is patient. Love is kind. I do not feel patient. I do not feel kind right now, Jesus. But that is something that I've started singing and um, singing the fruits of the spirit in my house when it gets tense with my kids, when they're fighting, you know, just that like sibling rivalry, whatever, arguing about who's out and hide and go seek or whatever. Um, I'm like, all right, we're singing the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus grow these things in our hearts. And so it's a beautiful way to get all of us um, thinking of, I mean, he's like, whatever's lovely, whatever's beautiful, think on these things. And so it is a beautiful gift to carry his word deep in our souls because you don't even have to have a Bible. It just is living within you and it's alive. So it's so fun to see the different ways that it sprouts and comes out and it's brought to mind in different moments. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You just shared so many, so many helpful things. I want to pull on one of those threads. And I, this is something you mentioned in your devotional too, where you shared how a young friend who'd recently lost a baby, a little boy, mm-hmm. um, had shared with you that perhaps God's answer to suffering is me too. And that's something that I've, yeah, when I read that, I was like, oh, I mean, that was something I've, been, I've spent a fair, fair amount of time considering too. And it is, can you unpack that a little bit for us? That's like, that is, there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the most compelling thing to me about the gospel story is this idea that, you know, we've, it's a mess down here. We all know that. I mean, it's a mess in our hearts. It's a mess in this world. Um, you just turn on Twitter, the, the comment section on a YouTube video and you're like, Ooh, we are, it is tough. It's a tough scene. And this idea that instead of just distance, like, oh, y'all just really screwed this beautiful thing up that I gave you. It's, and this is the Christmas story, right? It's God's heart isn't out to get us. It's out to draw us near. And so it's like the audacity of the God who made us like coming into this broken mess of a world that we live in uh, and really like put in the arms of a teen mom, basically, <laughs> you know, like is just, it's so humble. It's so wild. And then not just that, that God comes here so we can see what he looks like, but then that he allows uh, his own heart. God knows the ache of a lost son. He knows. And um, that he allows his own son to be broken uh, is just, it is like one of the most powerful things to me knows what abuse feels like, knows what being rejected feels like, knows what it feels like to be literally stabbed in the back, um, betrayed. Uh, you know, it's, I, I am, I think of people who like get bullied and think of all the jeers and people spitting at Jesus on the cross. And I'm just like, this is 
we do not, there's a verse, uh, that says we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us. And so this idea that the God who made us, um, like, exposed himself to all the things of being human that we know in this world of losing friends of, of, I don't know of that loss and loneliness. I just think is really, um, it's really compelling to me and it's so beautiful. And I think that it's one of the most comforting things to me in the wake of just that kind of seemingly senseless loss that we experience of, of cancer, of a car wreck, of losing a child, just this like this is not how it is supposed to go. And God says, I know me too, but also it's not just, it's not just me too. It's me too. And one day, uh, all of these things that we've lost are going to be restored. And that is so beautiful to me. (laughs) Um, and it is a mystery. It's a mystery to me, but he's come already once. And then there's this, still this longing. Things are not as they should be. Um, and there's this promise that he's coming again and that one day he'll wipe away every tear from every eye. And, um, uh, there's a, there's a story that Tim Keller, do, uh, do you know him? He's a preacher in New York oh, yeah. and, um, actually walking through cancer right now. Yeah. It's been amazing to see his perspective on, on death. Even he's written as he's walked through that. Um, but he tells a story of a woman, um, who had seven sons. Um, and this was during uh, the reign, I mean, like Bible times. And there was an emperor who was very anti, uh, Christian and would, you know, I mean, this is like martyrdom, you know? So he is taking every single one of her sons and torturing them in the square. And, and the mother is saying, you can take his eyes. He'll get it all back. He'll get it all back. And I'm like, I don't have that in me as a mom. Um, but there's this verse in Hebrews that's the great cloud of witnesses. And so it's all these like heroes of the faith. It's like, there are those who were healed. There are those that got their sight restored. There are those that saw people raised from the dead. And then the end of that chapter in Hebrews 11, and this is what Tim Keller talks about in this sermon. He says, and then there were others. They were tortured. They lost. They did not see this, but they had the hope of a better resurrection to come. And, and I just thought, (laughs) all the loss, all the things that we've lost here on this earth, all the things that have broken our hearts, we're going to get it all back. And so I just, I'm so grateful for that hope. And, um, and to think that we get to be people who show up in a classroom every day full of weary, heartbroken kids who are finding, struggling to find their identity and their place in this world. And we get to be instruments of peace and life and a hope that goes beyond all death and suffering and sorrow that we experience in this world that we are the hope people. And, uh, and I am so grateful for the way that each of you are the embodiment of that. And you show up day in in and day out and you are being the hands and feet of Jesus. And it is beautiful. You are, you come with, uh, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And even as you put your shoes on in the morning to go get, (laughs) to gear up and literally get dressed to go to school. I hope you keep that in mind that you are indeed instruments of
peace and I bless you as you go out every day and do this good work that God has called you to do for students that he has for such a time as this placed under your care for a bit and I bless you in the work of, of being um, embodied and whole people who come to a really broken and not whole world. (laughs) To yes. offer hope and love. And yes. Love. <laughs> oh, yes. And, and and that eternal perspective is so helpful when, when we're facing that, right? And and, and it, yeah, the classroom, it's like we're all there all the time. Just the brokenness, but this is not the end of the story. This is just the, this is just the messy middle. Yeah. Um, and God is with us. Um, man, you've shared so much. I just have, I just have a couple more questions. What yeah. is, what role, and you've alluded this already, but maybe you can just kind of expound a little bit. What role would you say that praise should play when we're walking through something tough? Oh gosh. Well, it is, it feels so hard. It feels like one of the hardest things to do. And yet I think it's been, um, for me, when I've been walking through seasons, I've had written a couple records about this (laughs) concept. Um, but walk through a season of about four years of just like, loss after loss after loss and, um, found myself going back to these old hymns that I sang as a kid and just finding that sometimes singing them, even though I didn't feel that they were true in that moment was my way, my soul's way of holding on to what was true, even though my heart couldn't believe it. I could do it with my body. And sometimes when we, when we can get our bodies to go first, the heart and the mind will follow. And I think that's why God says to sing and to rejoice. I think he knows that we were made for that. Tim Keller also has a sermon about when God made the world. Uh, the first chapter of Genesis is actually written in the form of an archaic Hebrew poem. And so it's as if when he made the world, he was singing it into existence. And he says, why would God sing the world into existence? Well, it's because he made the world and every single one of us to sing the song of his goodness and his love and his beauty. And so he knows that it's good for us, right? Um, but then you look and see what is the first song ever recorded in scripture well, it's the song that Moses and Miriam and all those ladies with the Israelites with the tambourine sang when he delivered them through the Red Sea. And the first line of the first song in scripture is, I will sing to the Lord. And so um, for me, I think that there is something that happens that when I sing, I can believe. And sometimes I'm singing. That's usually what I'm writing into the songs that I write. I'll take a scripture that I'm like, okay, God, I know you say this is true help my unbelief. And I think singing and praising, even in the midst of sorrow is just an embodied way to say, help my unbelief, God. Um, and a lot of times for me, if I can get myself, if I can get my body to sing, uh, my heart ends up following after (laughs) the, the voice, uh, the sound that's made. And so, um, I would say, it's been a deeply healing thing for me. It's a lot of the ways that I process grief. And I think that we, I mean, you see in the Psalms, um, you know, not just praise, but I think that we can lament in songs and in prayer too. It's something that I'm, um, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So I don't often like, just like love lament, but I think (laughs) the, uh, the ability to which we're able to grieve and lament 
um, is, is greatly increased the ability to which I'm able to have gratitude and rejoice. It's deepened my rejoicing as I've learned to lament because I've found Jesus at the rock bottom. He's just been right there as I've lamented in sorrow and in prayer and in song. Um, and even in the times when I haven't been able to get any sound out, I just think of that verse, how the spirit intercedes for us with groans. And so maybe you can't praise or get an actual sound out, but just even holding your spirit up to the light. Um, I think God knows and hears our hearts and, and even the lamenting sounds directed in his direction. Uh, I think that's, that's a form of praise and worship. <laughs> and so cry out to the Lord. He says to do it all the time. You can, he can handle our tears. He can handle our yells. He can handle our fish shaking at the sky. He's big enough for all of that. And, and that's been a beautiful thing for me to discover his sturdiness, even in the midst of my falling apart. I'm so glad you mentioned lament. Um, that's something I've been discovering too. It's, I, I don't know, sometimes I think there's almost this misconception out there that as believers, it's like, we're supposed to always be happy. Meaning like we almost like we, there's no space for grieving or I don't know. It's, it's just, there's almost this like, do I, should I feel bad about this? And it's like, no, when we see in the Psalms, I mean, G, in, and in the, in Jesus life too, like, no, there is so much space for that grief. And like you said, God can, God can, God can handle it. We just, he just wants us to share our heart with him and, and, he loves, and all that entails. Loves, that's right. And he loves, I mean, I just think of what parent or, or maybe you don't have kids, but you have students that you just love. Like, and what parent would not want their child in distress to just come cry to that? That is, that is literally like to hold your child when they are in distress or pain. That is like, a mother, a father's heart. And that's God's heart for us. He longs. We have all the freedom to come just as we are stumbling and tripping and, you know, <laughs> struggling, doubting and fall upon him. He's like approach the throne of grace boldly because of what Jesus did. We can do that. And, and there is grace to cover all of our not enoughness with his enoughness. And as we're falling apart for him to hold us together, um, even as we're kind of losing it, I'm just so, I'm so grateful for the freedom, um, that we have to do that. And I think songs, I was just talking with a, another friend earlier today and he was saying that actually scientifically, um, when choirs sing together, their hearts actually start beating at the same rate, which is <laughs> wild. So I think there's a physiological thing that's actually good for us to sing. And some people are like, I do not sound good singing. And I think that's okay. There's something really, like, I really do believe something happens in us, uh, especially when we sing alone, it's great. But when we sing with other people in the context of church or around a fire or at Christmas with Christmas carols, that it's that same thing. It's where we're remembering, we're reminding our souls of, of the beauty and the goodness of God, even in the wake of, of grief and sorrow, we can, we have a reason to sing. And as it turns out, when we learn to sing, even in, I have a whole record called Canyon about this, but when you sing in a Canyon, a Canyon, you know, the pit, the Valley, whatever you want to call it is really an upside down mountain. So it's like mm -hmm. sometimes those places where we just feel like we are so low. I can't even go any lower. 
those are actually the stories that I have to tell about God and his goodness. Some of my most powerful stories of me knowing that God is real happen in those Valley Canyon places. And they end up becoming, you know, these mountaintop experiences because I encountered the bottom. I didn't think I could go any lower. And then I went lower and love was still there. And I found I was still beloved even in my lowest place. And so when you learn to sing in a canyon, your, your voice actually echoes. It's multiplied and it's actually multiplied off of every broken piece of the story that got you down <laughs> to that lowest place. And so I think there's a beautiful testimony of, of seeing, um, an embodied backwards and upside down piece that makes no sense, even in the midst of our circumstances. I think that is a great witness to the hope, the backwards and upside down nature of the gospel rewriting and undoing death and writing life instead. And so I think that's a beautiful call for us to lean into as followers of Jesus, to learn to sing even in the shadows and even in the valley. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. Um, I, I, I found it really helpful. I know the teachers will as well. Do you have any like final advice or words that you want to share um, before we, before we finish up? Yeah, I think I would just say, um, I just want to end with saying thank you and uh, you are not alone and you are in your classroom for a reason. And then you're back at home, wherever your home is for a reason with your roommates or your husband or kids or, or whatever your circumstances is. Um, circumstances are, sorry, that was really bad grammar for an English <laughs> teacher, whatever your circumstances are um, to know that, God goes with you. And, um, and I thank you for giving your surrendered yes to all that he's invited you into, into the adventure of knowing him and seeking him in the midst of a crazy classroom full of lost and searching and lonely kids. And so I just, I thank you for the work that you do. It matters so much. Um, and I think on the days where you are wondering can I keep going? I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to love this kid. I don't know how to do this part of my job. This, I feel at my wits end. Um, I think something that I'm learning right now is to take those places where I feel like not enough, where I feel like I don't know what to do and to be really curious and go talk to God and get in the presence mm -hmm. of love with like, Oh, I do not know how to do this. God, I wonder why this is so hard. Why is that student so hard? Why is this kid giving me such a hard time? Could you give me some insight into this problem or some insight into why this is causing anger or frustration in my own heart and to just stay curious about our own hearts in the presence of the one who made us has been so life-giving for me these days. Cause um, I don't know, cause, cause we don't always know the right thing to do, but we actually have access to this God who knows us fully and who knows fully every single person who's in our care. And so I would just encourage you to get in the presence of love and to bask in his light and to hold up all the people you're holding so many people up. I just, I, I remember being a teacher, just being like, I have a hundred children. I have a hundred kids. I love them all so much. And this beautiful knowledge of knowing that's not just our burden to bear. We get to carry all of those people into the presence of a God who loves them. And they, they, they don't see us do that. Um, but we get to be co-bearers, you know, like, um, co-collaborators with 
the one who made us. And so to enjoy the beauty and creativity and adventure of that. Um, and when I get it in that perspective, it just helps when the burden feels really heavy to know I'm not carrying this alone. I can carry this right to a place who can hold it all together in his hands. Yes. No, no better advice just to bring it all, bring it all to him. him. I, with my kids, when I'm feeling this way, when I'm feeling really stressed out, when they were really little, um, I used to just be like, okay, kids, we're going to sing. He's got the whole world (laughs) in his hands. And then I would sing, he's got mommy's classroom in his hands. He's got mommy's fifth period class. Like those classes that you're like, why are y'all the worst? So I would (laughs) sing. So maybe it's just even singing, you know, he's got this particular student that's giving me a hard time in his hands in that reminder to remind us that, that we don't have to carry everything alone. Yes. As we go, before we go, can you just share real quick, how can people connect with you and your music and your books? Absolutely. So I'm ellieholcomb.com is my website, all the books, all the children's books and kids EPs, which are so much fun. Um, getting ready to release a, a kid's Christmas book, which is like, all my favorite things, all wrapped in one book and one record. Um, and that is all on my website. I'm Ellie Holcomb on Instagram and Facebook. Follow along, come sing scripture with me on Memory Mondays. Um, I will delight to uh, treasure God's word alongside you. So thank you so much for having me. And thanks for listening. And thanks for everything that y'all do. You're amazing. All right. Thank you, Ellie. We really appreciate it. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Ellie. If you did, I want to encourage you to share this episode and share this series. You can simply tell people about the Teach for the Heart podcast or send them to teachfortheheart.com slash challenges. Our discussion question for this week is this. What is one scripture that's been particularly helpful for you when you're going through something difficult? We would love to hear uh, what those scriptures are. You can head to teachfortheheart.com slash challenges and share it in the comments or head to our Facebook group at teachfortheheart.com slash Facebook and you'll find that discussion question pinned there and we'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, since Ellie already prayed for us, we're going to wrap up for today. Before we go, though, I want to tell you next week will be the final episode in this series. We're going to talk about how what we believe should actually work out in practice. In other words, this question of does trusting God mean that we just sit and do nothing and just think about how we trust God? uh, Or should we be seeking practical solutions? And so we're going to talk about how those two work together and are not actually in competition with each other. So join us next week. And in the meantime, remember, teacher, God is at work in you and through you. Keep your eyes on him and teach for the heart.